The Mike Tamano Happening. Hell yeah, Mike Tamano. Getting me on the air already? No. Well, I'm taping this for a podcast. Happy Fourth of July weekend, 2021. You know, we haven't gotten to a lot of the predictions presented in science fiction and pop culture of days gone by. There's no flying cars, no jetpacks, no ray guns, and that's a bit of a bummer. On the good side of the predictions, we've yet to inhabit domed cities, although, you know, could happen. We're not executed at the age of 30. I don't even want to throw an although in there, but... You know, we're pretty sure that we're not yet making protein bars out of deceased humans and uh, apes have yet to develop intelligence or the wherewithal to overthrow the human race. Although, in light of many of our nation's elected officials, I think a primate in the primary might just be the ticket. The one sci-fi prediction that seems to be creeping into fruition is the dystopian society and the overwhelming grip of government on virtually every aspect of one's daily life and behavior. Most of us read George Orwell's 1984 as a warning, and unfortunately, it seems to have become a how-to manual for many who inhabit the political arena. And let's be honest, with the Pentagon inching closer and closer to revealing uh, the truth about extraterrestrial beings and UFOs, With the advent of artificial intelligence in bloom, global pandemics, and a world that uh, continues to cartwheel into a chaotic chasm of catastrophe, the outlandish fancies of yesterday's science fiction writers may soon be far surpassed by reality. So, welcome to the debut of the Mike Tamano happening. With the spirit of the spontaneity and the artistic creativity and integrity of the past, we bring you into a modern-day look at arts, entertainment, pop culture, and pretty much anything else that we decided to throw in the show. And while the program we're going to present here on this podcast is primarily focused on artists and entertainers who I find inspiring and interesting, we'll have some chats with friends about you know our favorite movies, music, books, and such, television shows cartoons, whatever, you may find listening to this program that there is an underlying theme that shines a light on an affinity for rugged individualism, a disdain for groupthink or collectivism, a love for originality, and a deep appreciation for the marketplace of ideas. So thanks for checking us out. Happy Independence Day. May your liberty be limitless. And your pursuit of happiness, find happiness in all your pursuits. And now, on with the show.
Hey, this is Mike Tomano. Welcome to my latest foray into the world of podcasting, the Mike Tomano happening. And it's finally happening. Holy cow. You know, after 30 years in radio, making my living and my reputation in the electronic media of radio and, you know, an occasional stint in television, I still have such an aversion to anything electronic. If it has buttons and it plugs in, I, I'm lost. And, and it's either an aversion that comes naturally or like there's some sort of magnetic force inside of me that just screws up every single thing that I attempt to plug in. That and the fact that I really don't read directions. So I want to thank some people before we get started. Terry Martin, who uh, was invaluable in helping me learn how to do this. Like, just to give you an example, I went to, uh, I bought an SD card to record on. And I'm on the phone with Terry. I'm going, this uh, thing, this SD card's not being recorded. Am I supposed to use the little tiny one in the package or the bigger one? And he was perplexed. And I said, well, there's two. There's two little squares, little black squares. And he said, well, no, the little one goes inside the big one. Oh, okay. Didn't know. Didn't know. I have no idea. So I want to thank Terry because he walked me through this thing. I'm up and running. And that's that's a miracle in and of itself. Jake Lamore, my brother in broadcasting, he works at the radio company that I do. And he hosts a couple of really great podcasts, Pop Pumpkin Pizza and the Kankakee Podcast. Two uh, decidedly different but equally exceptional podcasts. So uh, check those out. Justin McCarty who is a uh, musician I work with, and uh, he has a very good brain on his shoulders. Good insight into things that plug in and record and stuff like that. And Brian Polasek, who I've worked with a number of times, who, after he laughs, uh, usually points me in the right direction when I have a question for him. So, yeah, this program is going to be a little bit different. I miss doing long-form interviews. Radio doesn't seem to be fond of that these days for a number of reasons. And so, uh, as I started out in talk radio years ago, I thought I wanted to get back to doing long-form discussions. And I've chosen some really interesting people. And today's uh, debut guest is someone whose music has really touched my life. He's an amazing singer-songwriter. And he's got quite the story to tell. Well, I got to tell you, it's been a while since I've talked to you, but uh, always a pleasure. Donnie V with us. And this is a good time for Donnie V. It's a good time. Any day alive is a good day for <laughs> <TV>. <laughs> Well, I'm just saying, for the people who love you and love your work, the last year or so, uh, you know, COVID and that cluster notwithstanding, this has been a very exciting time. Why is that? <laughs> you, well, you got the great album out, Beautiful Things. You've got uh, a great team of people working with you now. Just uh, stellar, stellar people surrounding you. And, and I'm telling you, maybe, I mean, you know it. You know that you're in a good place. Yeah, I got the, the greatest social media team going now. They're they're all really, really supportive of me, and they all kick a lot of ass. You know, they let me know that I'm important to them. So, yes, I couldn't ask for better. Yeah, and, you know, the frustration for so many of us that are Donnie V fans, we're, like, waiting for the rest of the world to catch up with us. And because anybody with discerning tastes... It would love your music. Howard Stern was just talking about you there the, the other day, and you know he's been a fan forever. And that was a, that was a great little chunk he did. Yeah, it was quite a quite a bit of time he did. I played a whole song, and yeah, it was nice of him. I always I've always figured if I could uh, 
get just get a hold of Howard and speak to him and not have to go through the red tape because I, I won't go into it, but uh, <laughs> oh yeah. So if I could just talk to Howard, yeah, I, I have no problem getting yeah. through and talking to him. He's he's always liked me. He's always liked the band. Yeah, and anybody who's an Enough's Enough fan and a Donnie V fan, our big frustration is that we know there's so many people that need to discover what you do, and we take every chance we can to share that music with people. And I got to tell you, you know, you and I have known each other for 30 years. I've been friends with Chip. You were a little more elusive early on, back in the Thirsty Whale days. You know, I was, most of the interviews I did on the radio were with Chip. You and I would, would, would see each other. You did some uh, some concerts for the radio station I was at at the time, The Cat. And when we were down at the Rialto, you remember that? Uh, if, you, if you say so. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't, uh, I wasn't oh, necessarily 100% present. In no, a lot of those days, you know. No, well, listen, the whole career for me is a blur. I, I kind of try to piece together what years I was, you know, in this city and when was I at that radio station. It's hard to piece it all together. When I first heard Enough's Enough, there was a cassette flying around. And I, I, I knew Gene Strenz, you know, Gino Martino. Yeah. He was a known guitar player. And people knew Chip. And I was in a band. We were rehearsing on Archer Avenue. And my buddy came downstairs and said... You got to hear this this band, Enough's Enough. And it was on a cassette, and he put it in, and the first song I heard was Fingers on it. And I said, who is this singer? Oh, my God. This is the best voice I ever heard. And so I went nuts. You know, I'm like, it's like Elvis Costello meets John Lennon meets, you know, Paul McCartney. It was crazy. Right around the time you got signed to ATCO, you opened up Floodgates, because there were, there were local bands like Mind Bomb and LSD that were getting signed, and Chicago was a hot hub, and then it kind of changed. So, do you, you know, what can you recall from that time, like the late 80s when you guys first got signed? Well, Chicago had a, they had a pretty good uh, local band. You know, they had a lot of support for local bands at that time. I really, I was late on the, late to the early show on all of that stuff. You know, I, it was a whole different world for me than where I, where I come from. But when we made those uh, those original recordings, our demos, well, we called it our first record back then. There was a station called VVX. Yeah, Scott Loftus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. the guys were so great. And they, they'd have like a, every week there would be a countdown, like a, like sort of like, a, I don't know, contest or whatever, the countdown. You would, and we went to number one right away on that. And so that uh, that started a lot of buzz going. We started playing shows and stuff. They were jam-packed right from the beginning. But um, that's all I really know about is because there was there was a lot of support for, for local bands, but there was also a lot of the bands had a comp- competitive mentality. I mean, and um, the better you were, the more they got a kick out of seeing you fall. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah, I remember it, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, there's, I don't know, I guess the cream always rises to the top, you know, but yeah. I yeah, I don't, I know there wasn't a whole lot happening out of Chicago for up until a point. And then, then um, after we, it seemed like after we got signed out of there, there was more action. Yeah, well, you guys got signed on and then, of course, like grunge started to, to happen. And I think that kind of made it harder for bands like you guys, you know, who were, well, you were just a pop band. And, and I think... I think a lot of us, I remember Chip calling me and saying, hey, our video is going to debut at 2.30 on MTV. And me and all my musician friends were going to watch this thing. And we saw the new thing and we were like, oh, wow. It's like a whole poison vibe, you know, and that kind of it was different than what we saw in the clubs, you know. Yeah, it was. uh, I wouldn't say it was the the greatest idea in the world, but it was it was what what it was. And um, there wasn't 
a lot of energy put into uh, our image and stylist type thing. You know what I mean? It's, uh, like Chip and I were, were never glam. We were flamboyant, you know what I mean? Like goofballs, but we weren't glam. And, and that, that came with Derek and Vic, that whole thing. And then uh, once you're in the rubbing elbows with the other bands and stuff and you're seeing, oh, they're all dressed up. Because I didn't know any better. I was I was more, I would call my look grunge before that. Right. You know, and so, uh, so I kind of was just kind of keeping up with the Joneses with that look and stuff like that, you know, and, and uh, you know, it, it really didn't, my instincts weren't really with that look, you know, and, but, it, you know, when you get all dialed up and stuff like that, you know, the girls like you. Yeah, so right. We, yeah. we look better than Poison. Yeah. Well, but, <laughs> but was, you know, the problem with that, with that whole glam thing was your music was far superior to all of it, yeah. you know, that well, was out there. The music didn't, didn't get the focus as much as the, the image did. That was the problem, you know. We, the style of music that I write and sing and uh, that the band had, you know, it has, could have its own niche. That's the way it should have been, where we, you know, did our own thing where we're not uh, affected by the times and the eras and the trends, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, But that didn't, it didn't roll that way. So, you know, hindsight is insight. Unfortunately, sometimes you don't get a second chance. <laughs> For all the shit you guys Went through and all the ups and downs. I always said, "Well, Donnie's still doing it. Donnie's still in the game, and Donnie's still churning out excellence." And so I didn't give up. You know, your music got me through some really, really dark times. I mean, I'm sure you hear that a lot. Uh, thank you, though. You can't hear that enough. <laughs> yeah, as a as someone who has had your music capture my imagination and my heart, and and it just brings me right back to everything I love about music. You've never been a, an artist, and, and I'm going to say, you know, Cheap Trick and Paul McCartney, there's a lot of their albums have a lot of filler on them, and you guys never had filler on your, you never had throwaway songs on your albums. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? When, when I think now, and I look at, uh, for Christmas, somebody made me uh, a couple of art pieces, artwork for the wall that just that have... Uh, like the little covers or whatever it is for every single thing that I've released throughout my life. And, uh, it's pretty astounding to look at. I was like, Holy shit. I have no idea. I had that much shit on there. And, um, yeah, I just been, uh, really blessed. And, and I think that something works through me to, uh, create these songs. And they, because when most of the time they'll come to me so easily that where it's like, I've heard it before. And uh, so I know that something, something works with me or through me, and uh, yeah. for some reason that that was just uh, that was the idea. And plus, I have I set a standard though that I won't uh, release any anything that's junk. You know, I mean, if and if you say that there was no filler, well, there was plenty of it. The scraps are on the on the cutting room floor. Yeah, right, right. Didn't make those, but there was fortunately there was enough of them, so they didn't have to uh, fall back on any of those. You know, I. I have a, you know, it's called the Donnie V vault, demo vault. So I got that, and I every, every now and then I'll dig through there to see if there's a part that I'm looking for for something that I'm doing. And, and a lot of times there is things that, you know, like this song just, just wasn't right at that time. And there's something, you know, through, you know, later on you can call oh, that works here, you know. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Prince was a big one for that. And Frank Zappa was another one who, you know, I'm looking for a piece. I need a bridge. And, and, oh, you know what? I wrote that song. I don't really like that part, but this part will fit. So so how much of your day is taken up making music? Very little these days. It's, it's you know, but after so long, 
doing it so long now, and it gets to a point where my policy is if I don't think the next thing that I'm working on is, is as good or better, better is what I prefer is than, than the last thing that I just did, then I'm not going to release it. And so uh, it's getting to a, a point now where they're taking a little longer, like lyrically and things like that, of you know, trying to find the exact right right parts and you guys the way i looked at it the way i think of it is perfect songs gotta be perfect yeah i mean and so it gets a little tougher after i don't know how many songs man 500 a thousand songs right uh and so now i'm kind of trying to go in with uh quality over quantity and um and that's and plus that way i don't i'm not stuck to uh pigeonholed to a certain you know like with the beautiful things record there's there's a lot of other songs that didn't make that record that were really great songs but has to be to fit together you know what i mean they Mm -hmm. want to to make one piece of work and um that's not really not how i write you know what i mean and uh i'll write like the other day i wrote something heavy as fuck you know Mm -hmm. and then then i write this really poppy thing and there's something sort of country so that's what's cool about just doing singles now you know and um i got a uh not box set of a catalog coming out which we're shooting for july 4th that's uh everything that I've done so I saw that teased on your uh, on your social media so this will be uh, the stuff that you did okay because when when you left enough's enough you know the last time you and I talked on the radio was when the white album came out which you know there's songs on there that are amongst the best pop songs I've ever heard in my life and, and, and pretty much all of your albums have those songs and then beautiful things you followed it up and I'm like boy this is another masterpiece this is a back-to-back whammy I knew that you were on your game is it freeing to be a solo artist or is, do you miss certain things about being in a band because you're primarily the songwriter in enough's enough right yeah of course I do uh, there's all kinds of stuff. Just you know, having that confidence when, you know, when it, whenever I went to do something with Chip, if we're going on a show, if we're going to play a show, or we're going to go on some TV thing, or we're going to play a concert, anything. Uh, you know, we always knew that it's going to go well. There's just the confidence with that, and you got your your gang. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Now, on my own, I have to uh, you know be hustling up guys and be doing all that rehearsing, all that. I, you know, I used to think I did everything till I tried to do it alone. <laughs> Until you did everything, yeah. Yeah, so I had to do everything, and now now there's a lot of things that aren't getting done. <laughs> but, but you know, uh, the people that are surrounding you now, they seem to have a really good business sense about your brand, and I, I think I think that maybe makes up for a little bit of the uh, the lack of collaboration and the band that I saw you with uh, last February. Boy, it was it was already last February. Is that crazy? What happened to this year? Oh, that one live show? Oh, yeah. It was horrid. Yeah. Horrid, it, horrid. That was not the lineup. I was scrambling. I was scrambling at that point. Um, that show had been booked, and then it was sold out and everything, and, and uh, things just weren't going right. With You know, it's, I wasn't going to go. I didn't want to go in there after not playing out live in a, in a rock band since 2014 or 15, I didn't want to go in there with something that was, was half-assed, and then I kind of got pigeonholed into it. There was no way to back out of it. And I was even sick, too. And um, you know, Yeah, you had the was, flu. Yeah. yeah, I was scrambling for guys, and, and uh, you know, it, it 
thank God for the fans. The fans are so wonderful, and that just walking into the just walking in there alive, I won. You know, yeah, <laughs> they were just happy to see that. But uh, that's never going to happen again. You know, if I hit the stage again, it's going to going to finally for the first time in my life the band is going to sound like their record okay but all those shortcomings aside that was a beautiful night i mean so many friends came together so many people that i hadn't seen for 20 years you know and so it was still a beautiful evening even though you had the flu and the band wasn't you know wasn't rehearsed to the point where you needed it it was magical all the people that that it was just it, it reaffirmed why i do this yeah. I mean, you're, you're up there cracking jokes and having fun. And then you sit down at the piano and play Bridge Over Troubled Water and the whole place starts crying. I'm like, OK, this is our guy. So I want to go back. You know, you grew up in Blue Island and, you know, this has gone. People have gone over this before with you. But when did you decide? Because you, you went to Eisenhower, right? High school. Yeah, well, I supposedly did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how I I was, I, the, I, I was on the roster. <laughs> yeah, I was same here with St. Rita. I was I kind of went and I, you know, I, I know I was supposed to be there. So when did you decide the music is going to be it? Probably uh, five or six years old. There, so there's no turning back. Yeah, there was no plan B. Actually, that caused a lot of uh, conflict with my mother, things like that, you know, because uh, realistically, it doesn't sound like a very realistic, uh, you know, goal. But um, I, I knew that something was telling me the whole time that from the very, when I first heard my very first couple of Beatle records, and I just, it all of a sudden, it opened up my world. It didn't have the, the best childhood, you know what I mean? It wasn't the happiest childhood and uh, a lot of dark, dark shit. But that, uh, that all of a sudden, that my world, like I said in a, in a song recently, my world became alive and I had a, had a purpose and I just never took my eyes off the prize. And I always knew that, because uh, my, my dreams weren't to be rich and famous and, that, and be a big rock star. It was never my goal. My goal was to artistically to be able to do something that other people will revere, like like how like what the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and all that stuff was did for me to, you know, to listen to and and you know, music is it's it's so magical. Yeah. And, uh, at least it used to be. Yeah. And, uh, and that's what I wanted to do was to be able to one day say that I I did something in that league. I guess I did. You're an inspiration to artists because through dark times and through fame and fortune and the roller coaster that is a career, it's always been the work and the craftsmanship that came first. And I think therein lies the difference between a flash in the pan or someone who's in it for the wrong reasons, who doesn't have longevity. And here you are 30 years later in a professional career and you're writing at the top of your game, how many artists, musical artists especially, can you say that about? I can't think of any other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, take it, take it, because you deserve it. yeah. I mean, that last record I put out was the best thing. Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, the next stuff I'm working on right now, um, I don't have a whole record worth, but... Uh, because, you know, it's, it's expensive to make a record, you know, if you want to do it right, you know, and I'm not going to put out something that's a lesser quality. Like that White album, <clears throat> that was the end of one era for me. And uh, Beautiful Things was the beginning of a new one. That was where I kind of had just burnt out and, and just like the energy and spirit in me just was uh, was pretty much done, was tapped out. And uh, so that's why there's like two records in that White Album because there was, uh, you know, I did it all by myself. I'd never done anything. I didn't know how to really work a computer much at that point. And so I recorded it all myself, but I was kind of clearing out the cobwebs because my, my, my frame of mind was... Uh, 
this, this is it. You know, I'm done after this. Doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter how good it is. You know, it's just not in the cards and this and that. And uh, I went through a big uh, rebuilding. Uh, it broke down to the to the foundation and rebuilt from that needed to be done since I was a kid. And and once I did that, you know, like I said, that, these songs. I don't just come up with these things. Like sit down and hey, I'm going to write another great song. It's not the way it works. It's something where it doesn't matter what I'm doing, it, it, the idea will come. And, it, and it's like I've heard it before. So there's, there's no doubt in my mind that there's, uh, there's more that meets the eye here. That's true. Other experiences I've had lets me know that as well. I was done at that point. Once I got my, you know, came back to life, basically, and this is the first time really in my life that I hadn't been kind of obliviated, you know, and, uh, and, and it, it came back in a big way. And so, you know, I quit looking at it as uh, trying to get something out of it because there's too many people that have, have told me, you know, man, I couldn't have got through this or without without this or without that song or what, what you did. You got me through this and that. Well, you, how, you put a, how can you put a price on something like that, you know? You know, you make it look easy. And so, and, and both in, the, in your demeanor, you know, and in the fact that you put out so much great shit, it's like, holy cow. What I think happens is it escapes you just how you may have some really big standards for yourself and and but I, the, I, I do there's been times when you've mentioned songs that you didn't like that yeah that was a, that was a, yeah that was just a throwaway song that was just yeah it was just something i knocked off and i'm thinking what that's that song is fucking like for now from the first album you had mentioned you know oh yeah that was just kind of a song we did and i was like what are you talking about that song has been like the part of the soundtrack to my soul you know so <laughs> yeah, i gotta le- learn to stop saying things like that <laughs> i've had that happen in a couple other somebody would be like hey man this song right here it's like that's my jogging so I'm like that song that piece of shit <laughs> yeah you know so I gotta stop saying that though cause I I I gotta put myself in the other position, but you uh, know, I'm there's really lucky, you know. There's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes too with particular songs. So where you were at when you wrote the song or when you recorded it is different than where I or another listener was at when we put the CD in and that we first heard it. I read an interview with Black Sabbath um, or a book on Black Sabbath, and they were all they were all saying that the album Sabotage was uh, was no good. And they didn't like it, and I'm like. That's like their Sergeant Pepper. What are you talking about? You know, so I guess it's perspective between artist and fan. You know, it's different. So well, I just keep going. There's more and more and more. And so, like you said, I do have some high standards for that. It's it's uh, it, I just keep churning them out, and I didn't stop paying attention to how many there were. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. And, I, and once I'm done with the song, you know, once it's finished and you're and you're able to hear it, I'm done with it. I've moved on. I'm on to the next one. Yeah. And, uh, and, well, I don't even know what the fuck I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually, I, I, I absolutely know what you mean. I mean, because it, because it, it's a project for you. It's a, it's a work of art and then it's done and you, and, and you get rid of it and you give it to us and then it, we revisit it because it's something different to us. It's not a labor. It's just a point of, of, uh, inspiration or love, it, you know? It, it is inspiration. It's, uh, it's emotion. Uh, yeah. Art, art is an expression of emotion. And, um, and I guess I'm a pretty emotional guy. Yeah, you are. A lot of your songs are, you know, autobiographical. But then there's other songs that are cinematic, and they kind of lend themselves to uh, the fiction writer, Donnie V. And so so walk us through a, a typical songwriting creation from uh, Donnie V. Well, I could just be uh, talking on the phone to you or hang on, just hang up the phone, change from the fish tank water, and all of a sudden, 
I hear some idea in my head. Well, you know, come in or, you know, just like people do, you know, while you're going about your day. And then something comes to me. Hey, what was that? You know, and I wished in the old days I would have had this phone recorder thing, you know, to go and. And just lay, throw that idea down. And it's like when I go back and listen to those, there's so many of them. And there's so many good little parts. And But I'll just hear a part, like the, the main thing that hooks me to the song. And uh, I basically just let it mull over in my head over and over and over. It could be for days until I get to a point where uh, it's time to pick up a guitar and see how the cor- what chords they are, see what key it's in, you know, to, to figure out and work further into certain parts, you know, that can hear it in your head, but now you got to physically be able to, uh, you know, put it down so that other people don't, you know, can't listen to it in your head. Right. And there's different changes and inversions and shit like that. But, um, yeah, it's usually not even anything, not a piano or a guitar or anything in my hands. Usually when I come up with the ideas and I'll just, uh, be singing it in my head and until yeah. I get, get to a point where it's time to pick up the guitar and think about, you know, Turned it into a finished song. First of all, your sense of melody is—it's a gift from God, you know. But but your lyrics are also very clever. There's great turns of phrase in your in your lyrics. And so you one of these cats that carries a notebook around in your in your breast pocket? <laughs> no, uh, lyrics are the last thing that that I up with. Um, I can usually hear the syllables and vowels and stuff already in my head. Um, you know, I won't know necessarily what words they are, but I'll know what words. It should sound like. And so, you know, I go over those and go over those. I've I've done it so long, so I've gotten a lot better at it. I just, I try to fine-tune these things down to the, is it a the or a but or a is or Mm -hmm. whatever, you know what I mean, to get that right. Some some just sound right to me. Some roll off the tongue right and sing right, as opposed to another lyric that could mean the exact same thing. Right. You know, and and I have to really like it. And, you know, I'm kind of critical. And so once once I got a line where I've, where I think to myself, wow, that kicks ass. Then I know I got the right, you know, the right lyrics. I don't, uh, there's been very few songs where I've just, unless it was uh, because of inexperience, where I've just kind of thrown some shitty words together. You know, a lot of those uh, early demos and stuff, I was very new at that, you know, and I wrote the lyrics because chip uh, lyrics were way worse. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wrote the lyrics and uh, and just got to be better and better at it. But it's not like... Uh, not like a poet with a big notebook of the only reason I'll have have a lot of uh, a notebook full of words is because I, I can't read my own writing so I end up having to write new ones yeah <laughs> or I'll be or standing at the standing at the microphone get ready to sing something and uh, forgot that I didn't have words yet yeah and uh but no, I don't know how the whole damn thing works, but I know there's got to be some purpose for it all because of the way that it, and, uh, how it comes. Oh, coalesces perfectly. And, and yeah, it's funny you mentioned the lyric writing, how it just comes to you. I remember I had gone to see Government Mule with a friend, Dave, and uh, they were at the Park West. And I said, hey, you know, Enough's Enough is at Chicago Recorders. They're recording a new album. Let's pop in on them. And we came in and you were walking around. You guys, I think you were, I think it was Freak that you guys were recording. Does that sound about right in Chicago Recording Studio? Yeah, we had a bunch of stuff there, but if you say so, you you okay. got a better recollection. And, and, you know, Chip says, come on in. And he's showing me the board and the mixes and stuff. And, and you walked up and you said, what rhymes with storage? And we said, we both said at the same time, we said porridge. And you wrote it down, and then you're, like, looking at it. And it was that same thing you're talking about. You were kind of thinking in your head, are these words even going to make it into this song? And yeah. then you just, you just kind of just <laughs> threw that in the garbage. Change. 
Yeah. Time to change storage. Is it, <laughs> get rid of storage. Let's get rid of storage. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if, I don't know if that was a lyric. I must have been higher than higher than I thought. <laughs> well, yeah, storage. In song. How many songs have the word storage in them? That many. Well, I go down the I go down the list. You know, I mean, with every when I'm looking for a, a line or a word that, that uh, you know, you just go down the list like anybody would. Like a, B, you know, borage, storage, gorage. Yeah. You go down the list till you find something. And he also there's also uh, you know he's turned to the and now to Google to what rhymes with this, and then you see all these different words. And, right. It's it's kind of it's storytelling is what it is. You know, once you once I know what it's the song's about, because it tells me what it's about. You know, I let the song tell me what it wants, who it wants to be. Once I know what it's about, and I kind of got the vowels and syllables in my head, it's not too difficult to uh, start you know filling in the blanks. Right. So so right now, you know, you've got a new song that we've been waiting for because you're waiting for the right time to release it. Can you tell us about that? Uh, it's probably the most marketable song that I've ever written. Um, you know, I would consider most of the stuff that I've written uh, kind of an acquired taste a little bit more than, than your uh, ain't nothing but a good time or rock and roll all night, party every day. You know, right, I've never, right. had, never had one of those. And uh, because I can... You know, you can think of them. You think of cheesy ones, but you need to. I needed to stumble onto one that still had the same same integrity of what I do. You know, and I finally came up with one, and it's it's very strong, and uh, that's why I've been holding it back. Is waiting for the right. I want to you know get all the ducks in a row on this one. And the videos, video is awesome. I got really lucky. My my buddy Todd he used to drive our limo, and then. Um, and just I hadn't talked to him in many, many years, and it turns out he started making commercials and uh, made a movie with Michael Madsen, stuff like that. So he had all this stuff, and, uh, and so he brought he brought a lot to the party and made a great video for it. But the song's called Party Time, and, and you, it starts right off with the hook slamming right at you. It's a really moving song. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a pretty strong song, marketability-wise, and it's still also... You know, holds all the integrity of everything else that I've written. So I can't wait till for it to be out. You know. Well, you know, my daughter Leah just turned eighteen, and, and you were you were mentioning to me that uh, she's making us feel old because she was just a toddler. She, whenever I had you on the radio, she would either call or, or come with because you are like her favorite and. Uh, it's it's funny how your music is reaching a new generation. When you did the Taylor Swift cover, you know, Taylor Swift is like her other favorite musical artist. So it's like that was like a match made in heaven. <laughs> Fortunately for me. Hey, that song kicked out. You did a great version of that tune, man. It was kind of a challenge. I was I was challenged to do it. Yeah, and, uh, and so I never, I wasn't familiar with really much Taylor Swift, so I just went on the page and asked, sorry, if I was going to do a Taylor Swift song, what what would your suggestions be? And a lot of them came up with that same song, and I listened to it. I, I thought to myself, well, I could see, I could see me of writing this song. Yeah, this is very, uh, very much along the lines of what I do. I'm not really crazy about when you of covering different things. You know, I like to cover Beatles and stuff like that now, yeah. and then, but cover something that's that. You know, I looked on the thing and the, it had like over 2 billion views and listens, you know what I mean? And, and uh, <laughs> that I just, you think I'm critical of myself with my own stuff. I, I just, 
I almost didn't even put that out, and I still, when I hear it, I cringe, you know. But but a lot of people said they enjoyed it. So yeah, well, because you're judging yourself on artistic merit, we're saying, oh, this is so cool. Donnie's covering Taylor Swift, you know, and it's cute and it's fun. So yeah, I, I, you know, it's both sides. That's what we were talking that's about. What it, that's what it was for, and uh, you know, but there's your the people out there that love to fuck with you. Take it as uh, that that's something you know that I'm taking seriously, which. Um, you know, it wasn't. And, uh, and that's why, I don't know, I guess I still have uh, insecurities and stuff, you know what I mean? So, yeah, but if you're talking about social media, I mean, forget it. Yeah. That's, that's insanity. I post shit and I just leave it up and I don't even, I've probably been canceled 15, 20 times on Twitter, but it's like, I don't even look at what people post, you know, because it's, 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 it's you know, it's, it's open season on, sane thinking so I, I wouldn't worry about it i get lucky with a lot of that the fans are really really wonderful you know and uh oh your fans are rabid they're pretty yeah they're pretty they're small but mighty yeah we're small but mighty indeed yeah. what's next what are you doing now well like i said that uh we put the catalog out you know the enough's enough but we just did a uh licensing deal for the for the entire Enough's Enough collection, minus the first two records, which we don't own yet again until next year. Then we'll probably look at a publishing deal because some of those songs are the, the money songs, you know? And um, But, yeah, so they, they did, uh, did, we did a licensing deal for all the Enough's Enough records, so they've been releasing them. I think two or three have been released, and they do, did really well. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a box set thing that, that's coming out. Of, uh, when we did that licensing deal, we also included... Uh, like a couple of CDs worth of uh, old demos and stuff too. Okay. That never were released and stuff. So that's the next thing that's coming out as far as enough's enough. Yeah. And, uh, and I've got, I've got five studio records and then probably six or seven other, you know, just little things that I've released here and there, uh, you know, with like 10, 12 songs here, 10, 12 songs there. And so the whole collection, I mean, I look on eBay and, and, I can't even afford some of my records on eBay. Oh no, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but uh I think this will be a cool thing to to put out and uh I can then I can add the new single to that, you know. Yeah. And so it's a single in support of the catalog. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a, it's a good time for you, Don. I'm telling you. <laughs> I'm telling you. Well, hey, it's, it's the happiest I've ever been in my life right now. Yeah. So I got peace of mind. I'm comfortable. Got my head together. And I still deal with, uh, you know, I suffer with some really bad anxiety and uh, bipolar. And so it's ups and downs. And the anxiety gets paralyzing sometimes, which is, you know, I, I've had that most of my life. That's a lot of the... A lot of the reason for some of the medicating that I have done in yeah. my life is I kind of had to be somebody, somebody else. And it's like putting on the bat suit, you know, to go be Donnie V. And um, aside from that, because that's you can't ever shake that. It's a, it's a physical thing, you know, with with me. And so aside from that, though, yeah, um, I, I've suffered from that. Have you have you ever been taught to meditate? I did do meditation for a while. It's it's a little difficult because with meditation, the whole trick to that is you're trying to stop the mind from, from the monkey. They call it the monkey from jumping all over. And I'm ridiculously bad at that, you know what I mean, to get it to, to, to slow it down. I got to a point where where I was I could do it, but it, it took so much time and so much discipline. And I don't have that kind of self-discipline <laughs> for that, you know what I mean? I just have to wait them out sometimes. Yeah. Well, other people, other people worry about it more than I do because I know it'll pass. You know, but at the time, 
uh, I don't know if you've ever been a tweaker, but it feels like when you're like tweaked out of your mind on cocaine or something like that, that, that kind of paralyzing fear that, uh, that's what will come over me and, you know, without having and taking anything. And, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's li- literally cl- crippling when it happens and, and, uh, you know, it freaks people out because they go down hard. Then yeah. I come back up swinging hard, you know, and um, try to get as much done in the, in the good the good bouts. And, yeah. you know, and I put every, I've always put everything out there. I don't hide anything. No, you I don't. Mean, I, always, I always tell exactly like it is, whether you like it or not. And, um, you know, in my issues, it, uh, as I'm putting something out about an issue or really, you know, talking about something in a song, my hopes, I'm sort of talking to myself, you know, giving myself advice, a pep talk, and, uh, or just uh, relaying what I'm going through at the time. And, and always with the hopes that there's somebody else that will connect to that, you know, and, and keeping that in my mind. And that's what would keep me going through those, uh, through those hard times and through those songs. And, and yeah, it, and sure enough, there were people out there that heard that and said, oh, man, I really connected to that. That changed everything for me that day stuff like that which is that's a dream come true to be able to to do that but uh like i said i put it all i'll put it always all of it out there so there's not a whole lot left to take shots at me i disarm you because i've already tell it told it all yeah that's the way it should be i mean you know it should be yeah own I, wish it. Every, I wish everybody was uh direct and straight up seeing you always knew who you, what you're dealing with and very seldom is that the case well i've learned you know as as i've grown into my 50s you start to learn how to feel not only about yourself but towards other people and and feel for other people and you own your past and you move on but i think you know the anxiety aside and and, and not downplaying it at all i think you need to pause and maybe pat yourself on the back a little bit just because from the outside looking in going through the 80s and 90s hearing donnie v stories Derek frigo stories enough's enough stories and then the last few years as i come into your circle and i see the people you're surrounded by and how happy you are this is a good place man well it's like what i all the different things that i missed out on in my life like anything normal you know what i mean like uh i didn't didn't go and have did the whole thing with getting married and having the kids house and all that stuff like that i i kind of sacrificed all of that for i don't know probably can't say sacrifice but you know that didn't all pan out Excuse me, but now I'm, that's all of those things is what I'm doing now, and I'm enjoying that to the point of where I got a couple songs down there that I need to sing, but it's not my priority on my list to get to that for some reason now that I've got a great studio, really wonderful environment here, uh, great little family, a lot of love, a lot of things, and I, you know, I do like enjoying doing a lot of projects. Today I'm putting new, new sand in the patio. <laughs> <laughs> I got my overalls on. It's, and it's, I, that's what I really am enjoying. Um, I don't know if it's for the reason that uh, I just never got to do any of that stuff, you know? Yeah, but for a rock musician, you are really a handyman. I mean, the, the stuff you do around the house, you're always fixing shit and redoing people's toilets and pipes. And I'm like, it's uh, the same. A lot of it's the same thing with the, the songs. It's just common sense and logic, you know, just looking at something, right? What's, what's, it not doing yeah you know and just figuring that out and trial and error and fuck some things up you <laughs> you don't and it's, it's rewarding when you did a good job at something you know yeah, 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 if, yeah. You, if you've never done it before 
I'm not a handyman. I can I can do other things, but uh, my it's pretty it's pretty embarrassing because like my if I if like the toilet is stuffed or if the pipes aren't working, <laughs> my wife is in there you know sawing through the wall and stuff. And well, I'm not a big toilet toilet fan either. The toilets. I don't know why I keep I keep referring to the toilet. It must be. I'm uh, wondering myself. <laughs> no, I'm not, I, you know I'm on antibiotics, so I've been spending a lot of time on the toilet. So maybe that's why my brain is going there. Toilets aren't cool. Toilets aren't cool. I think that's our that's our new mantra for meditation. So uh, I can't. So much stuff gets probably in some of the greatest songs and probably written up. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, you were saying you're gonna you're gonna get the uh, rights to the first two albums um, in a couple of years when you know when that when that deal expires. And um, can can I ask? I want to ask you a question about when you were with Clive Davis. Okay. Arista Records. And of course, you know, the story's been told. There was some shuffling around, and I, you know, I know how that goes. And we've heard that story. But was there a point where Clive asked you or, or advised you to become a solo artist? You know, looking, looking back at it now, I, I could see all, see all of those signs and all of the, you know, they don't, they don't come right out and tell you to do that, you know what I mean? But that's, it's, it's pretty obvious why uh, Clive had signed the band and, and because uh, it was it was just the song Innocence was the only thing he cared about, and he asked me to write another. Can you write me another power ballad for this record? And I I wrote right by your side that night and got that back to him. And those were the only ones that he cared about. And he was to the point of where he just hired a producer to produce just song songs, and then we we were allowed to do whatever we wanted with the rest of the record. So. That was a big indicator right there. And then the band didn't make a lot of sense. And, and why would you sign a band when you have absolutely no rock department or no uh, rock marketing uh, network or anything like that? You know, so that's, you know, and they went right off the bat with right by your side. Oh, yeah. And then different people at the label would be like, hey, did you ever think about just doing this on your own? And, and uh, you know, at that time, I wasn't really ready yet to, mm-hmm. to not have a gang, you know. Mm-hmm. I wish I, I knew then some things that I know now, but still, uh, everything is what it is, and, and your story is your story, you know. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is, and your work is your work, and what an incredible body of work you have. We're looking forward to uh, to more, and uh, and and so you're saying that, that all your vinyl albums that you've done, or all the all the all the independent albums you've done, and the solo albums are going to come out in a in a package together. I took. Uh, all the money that I got for that licensing deal, and I bought back all my records from, including the Beautiful Things record. I, I, you know, I just never, never were happy. These labels were shitty. They were, you know, they were worthless. And so I uh, bought them all back. Some of them cost me a bit. Some didn't. I want to put it all out as, as a body of work, you know. Yeah. Put a new single, and for for a lot of people, it's, it's really probably the first time hearing a lot of it, you know. Okay, so let's go back to young Donnie V in the 80s and 90s. Would he have had the business acumen to say, I just got paid to put this Enough's Enough stuff out. I'm going to go buy my catalog back and reissue that. Would you have had that uh, sense that, back that then? Would not have, that would not have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, have probably, I'd have sold it to somebody. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Give, you a, give you an eight ball for flying shelf. Sold. <laughs> <laughs> Cool, man. But that's what happens when they when you write so many, and you know they I didn't ever really. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of uh, praise for myself. I know me, you know what I mean, and, and I don't I don't look at the body of work and listen to all those 
all the songs as like anybody, like everybody else does. You know, it's just like that's just another day for me. You know, like wh- whatever you do, you right. know, it's it's you know if you have a a really great show one day, you had somebody on, or you just just were on really, really, you know. But that was another day for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, with the radio show, you know, at this point in my career, it's 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 real easy for me to look back on the first two decades and say, well, what was I thinking? But you're trying to make a name for yourself and you're young. And, and you know, I, in my case, I, I, I think I thought I knew more than I did, but I did enough good to get a reputation for being a solid performer. And then you kind of hone that. So now my approach to my work is a little more formulaic. You know, I can put the pieces in, okay, write some jokes, uh, get ready, you know, do some research on this. And so it's a little more formulaic in the approach, but it actually frees me up as a performer. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. You kind of, you kind of, like you were saying, you kind of, you kind of get these systems of creativity that before were a little more elusive and you had to grab them out of the air. Now you're like, oh, I know how to do this. Well, when you're working with other people as well, like, you know, I was in a band and so, uh, I really never got a chance to, you know, there was a lot of things that I didn't, wasn't into and I didn't think that this was right and I didn't think that that was right but I had other other egos and other uh, you know to deal with and so now creatively I, I feel like all the I felt sometimes like I was in the ring with Mike Tyson with my hand tied behind me <laughs> you know as hard as I try I can't get you know and a lot of a lot of crazy shifty stuff happened and uh, really rubbed me wrong you know but but uh well, I don't have to deal with any of that now, but it has its negatives too. But yeah, yeah. but I've, I, I've been through breakups in my career. You know, I, I worked with partners, I worked in teams, and so there's always there's always like kind of that brotherly love that I have with people or sisterly love in some cases. And it's like, uh, you know, like I said, as you get older, you just kind of like, okay, that is what it was. And and uh, I mean, how are you and Chip today? Um, we're good. As a matter of fact, I'm just waiting. He's sick. He's been sick for a couple of weeks now. I don't know what it is, but hope it's not uh, COVID. You know, like I just said to him the other day, you know, like we're the age that we're at now and, uh, you know, everything that we've gone through and been through, you know, it's just one day one of us is going to wake up and the other one's not going to be there anymore. And so that was my mindset and, uh, and all the things that, really have wanted to fucking literally murder him was uh that all goes on the back burners so i'd rather love loving him more than i love hating him you know yeah and uh but we're we're good now yeah he's playing i get him to play on all my stuff so now it's a perfect relationship <laughs> and, that, and then i send it up and he plays the killer bass on it you know yeah show up and play good See you later. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. Well, that's that's great that you know it, that uh, you're you're on good terms and. And the music you guys made together is magical, but where you're at now is just amazing. So if people you know, if people haven't heard beautiful things, they want to get it. If they want to uh, hear your music, where can they go, Donnie? Um, all my social media, you know, Spotify, um, everywhere where you, you know, anywhere where you can get anybody else's music. Um, I know a lot of mine got pulled down when I got out of those. Took got my stuff from those labels that uh, you know they pulled it down. And so now we're just in the process of putting that all back up. And just, um, it's just such a clusterfuck. My whole career and life and <laughs> everything was, was such a clusterfuck that we're trying to now take the little pieces and, and 
put the, you know, put together a puzzle, you know, and, uh, yeah. I've never been very good at business. I'm still not good at business. Yeah. I hear you. Good ideas, but it's, uh, it's the discipline and self-discipline, all that of, of doing it. Cause I'm, you know, I pretty much face the fact that I am not a businessman, maybe monkey business. Monkey but, business. Uh, yeah. I'm an artist. Yeah. You know, and, and, and just keep churning them out as long as they keep coming to me and, I got a couple new ones that I'm working on right now. They're are really, really strong, you know, and they're new and they're they're newer and different and they keep I like to try to keep evolving, you know, not covering old ground. That's that's another thing that when I, I like when she when I got that that big poster and it had all this it was seventy four uh releases of some sort on that poster. Yeah. You know, and just sit, they're all circling around me and then there's two other people. One had all the titles of all the songs. It was two of them. They took two, um, let me see how big are they? Like two by two by three foot by two foot yeah. pieces of posters that, that were, that both of them it took to uh, put all the song titles on there. And then I take a look at that and, uh, and I was like, holy shit. You know, then I, I feel pretty proud of myself. Then I'm like, man, that's, you know, and like you said earlier, I don't think that I do a lot of, you know, I don't know why that happens, but I can't even get to the point of where people just take it for granted now. Right. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, another great song by Donnie V, big deal. <laughs> of course it's great it's Donnie V there you go well you know uh, the last album Beautiful Things you know we were talking about you know the White Album you did on your own and production wise you know it, it might have been uh, you know not up to your standards but the songs were just unbelievable and you think of a song like Happy Days are you kidding me I listened to it on the way here and I get chills every time I hear it I've been listening to it for five years I still get chills hearing that that chorus and one one thing that was good about that was that was my first time that I actually there's nobody else nothing is else is contingent upon anybody I'm just 100 percent with the freedom there and uh, you know where it lacked in uh, in skills and sonically uh, you know uh, it's the fact that you've ever heard any of it at all is a miracle yeah uh, you know it's all pirated software and everything and just learning how to do that I had a guy that I'd send it off to and would mix it. And uh, how was I saying? I don't even know what I was saying, man. Well, it's, it's fantastic. It's like a Stevie Wonder riff you were doing. You, you, you kind of oh, like, like yeah. he would he would go in the studio and and play all the instruments. That's kind of what you were doing. Yeah, the Happy Days was kind of a. I think it was a. It was sort of a Queen vibe was hitting me for that one. Yeah, and um, just went through a few different lyrics and just decided to start to trying to make some of these uh, lyrics positive and it's the most negative time I've ever been in my whole life. Yeah. It's a very positive sounding record, which, which surprises me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it came out of a tough time, but, but then you put out beautiful things and it's so, it's so lush in the, in the beautiful production and the musicians you had on there were just killing it. And you had a collaboration on there with Roger Manning, uh, from jellyfish who of course, you know, is synonymous with the types of bands that enough's enough falls into. And Donnie V falls into just craftsmen when it comes to, power pop and you know that hook in that he's amazing he's amazing at what he does and he does it so effortlessly you know i i can now with with working with him i can see now what who did what in that band yeah you know and um yeah he was he's playing on party time too the, the new one that's coming out he's playing on that do i see there's no reason to not have uh have these have the best guys anymore you know why, yeah. why would i not if i can get them 
and yeah. play. Don't want to hear me play. I'm a hack. Yeah. No, you're not. That's another thing I wanted to bring up to you. You know, uh, when you say that you can't play guitar, you, I've seen you burn solos at, at the Thirsty Whale and the Adriatic Lounge and stuff. So I think you're selling yourself short there. You're pretty much a virtuoso. And, you know, people ask you, Donnie, when did you learn how to play the piano? Oh, I really don't know how to play. And then I see you sit down at the hospital and play this beautiful piece. You know, so I think you're, you're selling yourself short on that. I'm hacking along, you know, nothing, there's nothing, uh, nothing, uh, conventional about anything that I do, you know, and like I said, I know me. <laughs> I was at, I was at Chip's apartment one time, um, boy, this was a long time ago, that apartment on Western that he lived in, and you had rode your bike to a music store and got like a, a beginner's piano book. And I'm like, look at this guy. You, you, you had this book that was like for kids to play piano. And then you just kind of took it from there, I think. At from Chip's house and Western? I hope that wasn't the case. <laughs> for some reason, you had this book with you. It was this little, this little, uh, this little beginner piano book. I don't know. Maybe you're giving it to someone. I, I don't know what I could have been doing with that. I can't read music. <laughs> wow. Maybe it was just chords or something. Could be. Those, those books are never right anyway, you know? No, you make up your own chords. Hey, man, things were pretty loopy at that point. <laughs> you say so, then I, I believe you. I don't know. I just know what I saw. Who knows? I was trying, trying, to, learn, trying to rip off Twinkle Twinkle Little Star. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, another thing that's funny that people would never, ever think is, like, you don't have any album. You don't have, like, an album collection. No, I've met, well, growing up, I couldn't afford records, you know, um... I, I all I had was uh, my buddies had them, and I would tape record them with my little tape recorder, and that's how I that's all I had was I listened to those and through you know through my buddies. Right, I've never I don't think I've ever actually bought a CD in my life. That's amazing. Do you have your own albums? Do you have copies of your own albums? I got uh, I got that new Dissonance that just came out on uh, Cleopatra, and I've got uh, Beautiful Things. And uh, that's all I've got. Yeah. Oh man! So what do you? Like I said, I don't sit and listen to them. You know, I'm done with it once it's. You're done with it. That, shit like that never really meant anything, you know, to me. Uh, you know, the, all the memorabilia and stuff. Now Chip's got everything. He's got his first nickel. You know, <laughs> it's just stuff like that never meant anything to me. Well, but these are your albums. You should have. I'm going to get you copies of your albums. <laughs> That'd be great. It's wrong that you don't have at least CDs. You know, you don't have a tweaked CDs or a brother's CD around. I don't have a CD player. That's too funny. You're, I bought one to put in my car. Yeah. I don't come with them anymore. I, do you have a band in mind for once this COVID shit is over that you can uh, take out and play? I'm I'm waiting to see what, what happens. I'm waiting to uh, cross little bridges as I come to them and see how what uh, the stars have in mind. Yeah. Or I go and uh, commit to certain things because that's never worked out in the past, and and um, you know when when I get to that that point again, that's when um, you know I like the, that show that I did that was so long together, and that was not the right musicians, and that I won't hit a stage like that again, and um, unless you know I I've done a couple of acoustic storyteller type shows which are cool and they're fun, but it's it's lonely, you know, yeah. sitting there, and, and a lot of those songs. Uh, a lot of them, the cool ones, I've only sang them once, you know, and just when I recorded them. 
Yeah. You know? So those are the ones that are interesting, but you know, trying to remember them, you know, I think people have more fun watching me try to remember them than they <laughs> listen into it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're looking forward to, uh, I'm definitely, I can't wait to this, uh, this box set to come out and, and you're saying July 4th, huh? That's see, that's why I put that up there. Cause that gave, that puts us on a deadline now. Excellent. That puts us on the hot seat and, um, yeah, we're, we're all on it. Working on the artwork and stuff for it because it's going to be a very simple package, but trying to figure out the different tiers of, uh, of, uh, that you can get this thing. You know, that I was thinking the first pre sales, you know, offering a deal with pre sales that, that, uh, you get to the, uh, we have a big listening party and a viewing party for party time, all live in Zoom, you know, interaction, live interaction with like 50 people. That's what I'm figuring is like the first 50. And, but, uh, you know, I, I want to uh, include a booklet, you know, a booklet with all the artwork and all the lyrics and everything. Because people like to have the lyrics stuff. I'm just trying to figure out how to, how to package that with a, with a flash drive. And so I guess I'll probably have a version that, that uh, and I have already tracked party time. And um, once we started making the video, it was, the video was so good that I went in and retracked party time with Chip playing on it and, and Mike Dolan mixing it and, uh, and Roger Manning playing on it and went the extra mile on it. So I, I But I'm sitting here on 545 vinyls of the old party time that I can't even sell and, and autograph or anything give the fans because the song's not out yet. But I'll be able to do that with uh, once the collection's out. You know, I can, I can get rid of those things, <laughs> and it's like a little package that you get, you know, it's autographed 8 by 10 or autographed booklet or whatever, and um, or there's just all the fuckheads who will just download it. Yeah. Yeah, I want to do it, uh, you know, just a flash drive. That's the best way to put it all on there, you know. That way I can include a lot of stuff. Yeah. I can put every, like, when I say the complete collection, you're talking the complete collection, you know, and... uh from all the way back stuff before I was that I released with enough enough and um it'll be pretty cool. You know, but I I do think that I know personally I would rather I'd like to see the booklet and have something to look at. That was uh, remember how cool it was when you're growing up. You got to, all you had was that that record cover and then sometimes inside there was a sleeve that had more stuff in it. Right. That's all you knew about a band. You know? Yeah. That's all you knew in the music and the rest was left to your imagination. You know, that's why it's fun to look at something and and, you know, and and just stick it, you know, stick it in and MP3, whatever. There's nothing to see. There's nothing to hold. So, you know, but a lot of people, they don't give a shit about that. So, they, you know, it'd be a deal where you can just get that. And, Download. and you know, mo most people are just going to wait for somebody to have it and put it up and then I'll just copy it. Feel it up. Thing, nobody seems to think artists should make any money. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely changed. That's changed the whole industry, man. This whole yeah. sharing stuff. Well, now I'm making them pay beforehand. Yeah, well, see, <laughs> you're gonna have to pay for these songs to be recorded. Otherwise, like you said, I, had, I got standards, and they gotta sound good. I gotta have the right guy mixing them. I gotta have the right people playing on them. That all costs money. Right. Well, we're looking forward to it. And listen, man, God bless you, and thanks for taking time with me. And it's it's good to hear your voice. It's, you know, buddy, man. My pleasure. All right. I hope you enjoyed our discussion with Donnie V. And uh, always interesting. Find out everything you can about this cat's music. Donnie V-I-E. Check it out. DonnieV.com. Go to social media. Buy all the Enough's Enough records that you can find. And buy all the 
Donnie V Records you can find as well. And make sure you purchase his uh, giant catalog being issued on Flash Drive. Check social media for that. Thank you, Michael King, Terry Martin, Jake Lamour, Mike Rockert, Brian Polisek, Justin McCarty, Ben King, all the folks at King Music, my lovely bride, Denise Tamano, the wonderful folks at Fossil Entertainment Group, Rob West, Donnie V, and thank you for listening, you. All right, and our next show drops Monday, July 12th. We'll be hanging out with Jackie, the joke man, Martling. Peace and love. Tomorrow.